0: Thank you for visiting theopenword.org where you can find a verse-by-verse exposition of almost the entire Holy Bible and other theological resources. Welcome to the next part of this series from Alan Schaefer.
1: Father, we thank you for this night and pray that um, you'd open your word to us, that we would have a have a good time under, uh, studying it and that we would understand it, that you would guide our discussion, that we would learn, that we'd be encouraged by what we learn. And we just thank you for the fellowship that we all share around your word. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Um, see, last week we finished up chapter two, and quite honestly, there's a ton of stuff I'd like to talk about in chapter two, but if we do, we're done for. You know, that's we're not going to get through Anything in the book of Acts. So we're going to leave chapter two. Um, John MacArthur agrees with everything I believe, so just read his stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, he agrees with everything.
0: Are there any little nuggets in
1: there that? I think we pretty much got got through it. Um, the, the the one thing maybe the one nugget that you, that you sort of catch on to at least in the first. Um, three chapters of the church's existence two, three, and four is that they were unified. It was a, it was a very unified church. Um, they were all of one accord. You didn't have the fights that you have nowadays. They've seen a lot of churches, which is a good thing, right? I mean they were they were so they were all with one accord in one place. They prayed together. Um, the, the, of course they were led by the Apostles and uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was an exciting time for them. Um in our problem in our churches today is that, you know, we're a bunch of old old fogies yeah. with it. You know, we've we've been the church so long that we lost the, the wonder of, of you know yeah. of that newness. You know, to them it was a whole new thing. It was you know, here here you are, you got a whole new organization. You've got there's a lot of excitement, a lot of energy, a lot of, gee, what's gonna happen next kind of stuff. Now we've seen it all, right? And most of the churches you've seen it all, if somebody comes up with a new idea, you know, that's like deadly. Oh, we don't want to do that. We've never done that before. Is that one of the seven, one of the most deadly things in the church. We've never done anything like that before. Um they hadn't they didn't have any of that baggage. So to them everything was new. And it was exciting, and it was wonderful, and it was exciting to see what God was doing. They didn't know what was going to happen next. And, um, you know, it'd be nice if we could somehow get back to some of that excitement in our churches today. But they were all with one accord. And it says here, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Who Who does church building? Who does church building? Holy Spirit, God does. Would Christ say, I will build my church one of our difficulties today is we think we have to help God build His church, don't we? Yeah. We gotta give Him a hand. Um, if we just preach the gospel, that's gonna freak the average person out. So we can't do that. We've gotta water it down. We've gotta we've gotta come up with alternatives to sort of sneak the gospel in on people. Look, you don't have to do that. I mean, Christ will build His church, and and you know that's one of the wonders about really catching on to the to the concept of the whole election and God's working and God's saving people, I don't have to worry about messing it up. Nothing I do is going to keep an elect person from heaven and nothing I do is going to get a non-elect person in. So it's really not up to me. It's up to the Lord to open hearts. I want to be part of the process. I want to be there to preach the gospel because that's, after all, that's what God uses to redeem the elect. But I don't have to worry about it's not my responsibility to build the church. Christ said, I will build my church. And it says here that the Lord added to the church daily. It didn't say the apostles were adding to the church. Now, did the apostles preach the word? Well, sure. But who does the saving? God does, not me. And in chapter 3, we have the account of the lame man. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple. Why would he sit there? Right. This, guy was, this guy was a shrewd businessman, right? Yeah. Um, who, who most likely is going to give alms to the poor?
0: Somebody yeah. who has some kind of a sin or something.
1: Yeah. Part of the it makes, makes, you know, going up to the temple sort of a good thing, you know, get your marks in with God to give some beggar, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some money on the way into the temple, you know. Um, this was a good spot to be in because all the religious muckety-mucks would come there and um, would want to be seen. And who really wanted to be seen? The Pharisees. The Pharisees. Um, they're the number one. Matthew Matthew chapter six. first part of Matthew chapter six is talking about hypocrisy. That's part of the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. And hypocrisy was evidenced in one of three things in your prayers and in your good deeds and in your fasting. And if you go back to Matthew 6, how, how did the Pharisees show off their godliness through their prayers? Well, doing, it in public. doing it in public, usually at the most public spot, and doing it long, right? They would just so arrange their schedule so that it would be in the middle of the street when the time for prayer came. So they would stop right in the middle of the street and do their little prayer to God right in the middle of the you know, everybody was halted, and he's up there doing his religious thing right in the middle of the street corner, wherever he was. And then how did they uh, show off their religiosity through their fasting? Makeup. Makeup. Um, quite honestly, if any of us in here missed a meal, would you notice? You could put, we all could probably miss a few meals, and not, people wouldn't really notice it, Right what they did is uh, they would spread dust on themselves and they would look a little haggard and they wouldn't comb their hair that day and wouldn't anoint themselves. And people would look at them and see, you know, they're a little gaunt and a little drawn and a little little peaked and that. And, you know, that was them fasting. They were showing off their, their external religiosity. And then how did they do it with their almsgiving? Sound a trumpet. Don't be like those who sound a trumpet. Now, do 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 here comes Bart giving his money, you know, with his whole entourage. And and this guy was sitting at the gate beautiful because that was a good place to do it because all the religious muckety and hypocrites that came in who wanted to show off their religiosity would have to walk by this guy. And what better way to show off your religiosity than to give the guy a little bit of money? By the way, what did Christ say in Matthew 6? If you do your good deeds to be seen of men, you've been paid in full. It's an accounting term. It means to pay in full. You've got your payment. If you if you do anything, if you pray, and by the way, that's just representative, right? It's not an exhaustive list. It's just a representative list. Whether you're praying, whether you're doing good deeds, or alms giving, it's called good deeds. Or whether you're fasting, if you do it to be seen of men, you've got your reward. That's the only reward you're going to get.
0: Mm-hmm. What do um, they do then when, like, when they have like call, Not call, but uh, offering. They take up the offering in the church, mm-hmm. and then they'll have like, who's going to give a hundred dollars? standing out. Uh, who's mm-hmm. going to give a hundred? Who's 100, going to give fifty? And this kind of stuff.
1: Is that the same as this? Yep. I wouldn't give a nickel. And I'm also, I get also really irritated when the pastor says, anybody that, you know, wants to dedicate their life or whatever, stand up. And I just, I don't go for that stuff personally. Mm-hmm. You know, or, you, you know, we, it's manipulation is what it is. Because what does Matthew 6 say? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Once once you do your good deeds or your giving or whatever to be seen, if that's what you're doing it for, you've gotten your full reward right there. God owes you nothing. And when you have people who manipulate and, you know, that kind of thing there, that, that is huckstery. That, 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 that is not pleasing to the Lord. And those people that stand up to be seen and to give their $100 or whatever, that's all the reward they're ever going to get. They might as well take that. In fact, they'd be better off taking that $100 and burn it just to give it because they've gotten their reward. That's all they're going to get. The one thing about God, God is very clear. God does not want you to do things in order to be seen or because of what you get out of it. That's not the point. I mean, that he, that's hypocrisy. And that's what the Pharisees did. Everything the Pharisees did was to be seen of men, right? The way they wore their clothes to be seen of men. They doubled the hemlines on their garments to be seen by men. They paraded themselves in the public places to be seen by men. They demanded people call them doctor to be seen by men. They got their reward. They got their reward. And, you know, one of the Bad things on you see today is pa- pastors and preachers who who parade wealth or something as a mean as a form of godliness. Listen, they're false teachers. Run away from them as fast as you can. Don't go near them because they're 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 preying on people. They're preying on people. Frederick KC Price, who you might see on TV, um, his congregation gave him a Rolls Royce and he made him take it back because it was the wrong color. Okay. Now, now that, that, you know, that guy has his reward. That's it. By the way, he is not going to heaven, just so you know. Um, you don't do that to be seen of men. You don't. And that's the, that's the whole point of of Matthew, of, of Matthew's recording of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount there. Jesus is saying, if you're doing good things, the kingdom citizen does not do things in order to receive plaudits or receive accolades from mankind. They do it in order to be seen by God and God alone. When you pray, what do you do? Go into your closet. Now that doesn't mean go in the closet literally. There are people that believe that. I went to a Christian school one time to visit and they had closet prayer meetings and and the big thing there was to go in your closet and pray. Well, think about it. I'm going to my closet to pray in secret. All right. well you just got you just got your reward, right? Because you're doing it. To That's not what Christ is saying. He's saying your your, your religious activities, whether it's prayer, whether it's almsgiving, whether it's fasting, is to be done in secret. It's, be, be to, it's to be between you and God and no one else. This guy was smart, right? He's, he came into the gate beautiful. That's a good place to be. This is the only way he could make a living. He was lame. He couldn't work. And so he had to live off the charity of others. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked him for alms, which he did to everybody. So Peter and John are going to go up to the temple to pray. And on the way up, they pass this guy who's sitting at this gate. And how long had this guy been there? Since birth, and later on, we know, over 40, right? So why is that an important snippet of information? You were walking over this guy for 40 years, right? It's not like he just showed up. He's been there a long, long, long time. And so when he does get healed, what does that do? It's validity. This guy is, it's like the guy who's been born blind. You know, I mean, God picks these people and chooses these people that had these long-standing disabilities. So when He heals them, there's no doubt about the fact that they're healed because people known this for years. So here's this guy sitting there, and he asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him. With John, Peter said, "Look at us." So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. What was he expecting to receive?
0: Money.
1: Money. Peter said, Silver and gold do I not I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Forty years. And what does Peter do? Heals him. Now, one of the things that that we have a lot today is this healing stuff, right? Spiritual healing. Can God heal?
0: Yeah.
1: Can He heal any disease?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah? Can He heal whenever He wants to? Whenever. Does He heal like you see the modern healing services today? When they knock them on
0: the ears and knock them down. Mm Mm-hmm. I I them kind of of yeah. Okay. So
1: all right One of the things to do is 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 think about this. Look at the character of healing in the Bible. And compare that to what you see today. And see if there's any difference. Right? Let's look at the healing in the Bible. Th- this guy here, all right. And and just go to the text. This guy here was healed. Um, What can we find out about healing from this text? Huh? It was immediate. All right. So it was an immediate healing. He didn't
0: necessarily have any faith. He didn't have any faith. What
1: was he looking for? Money. Money. All right. So it did not require faith on the part of the recipient necessarily. Right? Right. Now, were there some examples of healing in the scripture where faith was required? Give me one.
0: Blood and who else? Old Testament. Bartimaeus and Naaman.
1: Remember Naaman? He had to actually do. He had to go dip seven times. It was immediate. In this case here, i am put it this way. Um, faith is not is not necessarily a requirement. Okay. I can never spell this necessarily. I'm just going to see. Alright. A requirement. Now there are again there are examples where faith is definitely a requirement. Okay. So that's not a hard and fast rule. But not necessarily. What else about healing can we know from this passage? It's complete, right? Mm -hmm. The guy didn't get just one leg back. He got them both back. Mm -hmm. What else can we know about healing from this? He
0: didn't
1: have to touch the guy. Okay. Yeah. um, Did not require a touch. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It was done by the apostles. Mm -hmm. It was done by the apostles. Or by... It was it this in this case here it's apostolic. Okay. What what's another thing we can find out about it here about healing? It was in the name of Jesus. It was definitely in the name of Jesus. All right. Huh? Yeah, it was it was permanent. Praise God, and glorify God. Yeah. Okay, um, it, it brings glory to God. Mm-hmm. And uh, what kind of disease did this guy have? It was something that could
0: be seen.
1: It was a physical infirmity, right? It was a physical infirmity. It was something that could be seen. Um, Infirmity, something that could be seen. I could see it. Um, it was well documented, at least, that this guy was really a a, a paraplegic or quadr yeah paraplegic. He couldn't walk. He was lame since birth. Now, um, think of some other healings in the Bible. Um, Christ's healing was by a word or a touch. Did he have to even see the person to heal him?
0: No,
1: him. The lady touched him. How about Jairus' daughter? He didn't have to go. Yeah, he. he or the, the servant. The one that. Yeah, the servant. All right. So, in this case, he did not touch, but in the Bible, it was done by either a word or a touch. All right. Physical infirmity. They healed organic diseases. None of this lower back pain garbage. All right. Organic disease. It was permanent. It was immediate. Um, is there is there any example of a partial healing? Hmm. The blind man. Which one is?
0: The lepers, the lepers. Yeah.
1: the lepers were permanently healed, um, but the blind man is the only partial healing in the New Testament, and that causes some people problems. Well, why did Christ put mud on his eyes and go tell him to wash off and things? And there's some good stuff written on that, and um, probably the best understanding of that is Christ was making an object lesson to the disciples on their need to see correctly, and the fa- and it has a. Parallel between their lack of spiritual sight and this man's lack of physical sight. But when the guy was healed, what kind of healing was it? It was a permanent and complete total healing. Um, there's one other thing that's indicative of biblical healings. What did it include? Christ did it, Peter did it once, Paul did it once. What was it like? Raising of the dead. Right. Benny Hinn, by the way, says he raises the dead, but don't listen to him. Um, yeah. Raising the dead. OK. I think Oral Roberts said he also raised a lot of dead people, but he couldn't give any examples of that. Um, raising the dead. Right. Christ did it. Name, right? Name, La- the widow, name, son, Lazarus. Lazarus. That that little girl that was dead. Mm-hmm. Peter did it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, did. Paul Paul raised Eutychus and fell out of the window. Mm-hmm. Preaching?
0: His shadow some
1: people. You know? Right. Now now look at this list and compare it to what you see. Oh by the way, here's another one. How many diseases did Christ heal? all of them. Okay? There weren't any you know diseases not on the list. Um, A friend of mine told me about a certain church on the north coast that had Benny Hinn's brother come in, Henry Hinn, um, to do a healing service and a guy went to get healed and was told to come back the next night because they weren't doing migraines that night they were doing back pain and come back the next night for the migraine night where he would heal the migraines um or something like that. it was he whatever whatever disease he had, they weren't healing that night. He had to come back the next night. all right um, now look look at look at this list and and compare that to what you see at least purportedly by the healing guys today. Um, can they heal all diseases? no. No, you don't see people walking into a healing service with one arm and walking out with two, do you? And it's interesting because um, in in Mark, when it talked about Christ, um, one of the examples where Christ was healing people, it said there came to him those that were maimed and lame and all that. The word for maimed, there's an interesting word. It means it was a word used to refer to someone who had a missing limb. Christ put limbs back on. He put eyes back into people's heads. He put ears back onto people who had them severed, right? Christ was able to heal and the apostles, the apostolic gift gift of healing, allowed you to put limbs back on people. Now, you see that happening today? No, you don't see that happening today. Um, You see the biblical gift of healing or the biblical... Healing allowed you to raise the dead. Now That doesn't mean that the apostles were around raising all the dead all the time. But they certainly were able to do that. And if the Bible says the person was dead, what do you assume? He was was really dead. He wasn't in a coma. Lazarus was not in a coma after three days in the cave. All right. He was fourth day. Maybe he was in there three days and now he stinketh. Yeah. Um, it was you were able to raise the dead. Um, it was a physical infirmity. It was organic disease. Do you see organic diseases being healed today in these services? No. You see things that are non non verifiable, um, migraine headaches or back pain or stuff like that. And by the way, you can talk yourself into thinking you're healed when you really aren't. One of the great things, there, there was a video I saw. Of some guy had a healing service, and he had this guy with a cane. It was it was he, he walked up to this, this, this guy, and you see this crutch flying across the stage, and you see this guy running across the stage. What you don't know is that the guy who had the crutch wasn't the one that was healed. It was another guy who was able to still walk. But it looked like, at least when you looked at it, like he healed some guy that couldn't walk. It wasn't that way at all. It was charlatanism. All right. Um, they were able to heal physical diseases. Um, it, did, it did leprosy. Think about leprosy. Think about somebody coming in just covered white with scabs and, le- and missing fingers and walking away whole and complete. You know, and that's what leprosy was. You know what leprosy is? It, it deadens the nerves in your fingers and your extremities. You can't feel. So you rub your fingers off because you don't feel pain. And people, they would wear their fingers off. And Christ was able to put fingers back on and turn white skin healthy again. Um, It was permanent. There was no relapse. Right? You weren't and it was it was an immediate. It was it was no there was no partial healing. This guy didn't go to physical therapy for three years and learn to walk. It was an immediate, complete, total healing. Did Lazarus
0: die a second
1: death? Well, in the case of death, there's you know yeah you, you you were you did die again. But but in the case of the physical healings, the people who walked away from Christ and were healed were healed. There weren't any partial healings. There weren't I remember one person who went to supposedly get healed and I said well are you healed." He said um, I'm getting better
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and he said yeah I'm healed I'm getting better I said, wait a minute I don't know you're healed but you're getting better there is no the biblical gift of healing was immediate total complete organic disease and here's the big one it did not depend on the faith of the recipient so
0: you you
1: saying that don't exist anymore. no. Not the apostolic gift. Not the I'm just saying compare it. You don't need me to tell you.
0: Oh no, I don't need you to tell me you what you saying.
1: Absolutely. The the apostolic gift does not exist. Now, does God and can God heal? He could do anything he wants. And there've been cases where God has healed people. Yeah. But there's been no reported cases where people grew an extra arm. Right? Or where people, you know, got a new eye. If they had missed an eye, they got a new eye. So that part of it's not there. God has healed people of cancer, of deadly diseases, of sicknesses. God can do that. He can do what he wants. But as far as the apostolic gift goes, no, it is not operative today. And these people that that try to purport this apostolic gift of healing, when you look at what they do and compare it with what the biblical people did, there's a world of difference. There's a gulf that they, that's, Insurmountable. Insurmountable.
0: Um, what do you do with that scripture that says, um, um, that scripture?
1: by his stripes we were healed?
0: No, it's the New Testament. It's anointing the soil. Yeah, and the gift of healing and miracles. I think it's in Corinthians. I'm talking about the gift of healing and miracles. Cause back,
1: well, back in Corinth, during that time, there was the apostolic gift. Okay, it was there. The apostolic gift was certainly operative in the early church. It was, but the the reason it was operative is what? Why was it operative? Because Christ it with the apostles. Well, because you had the apostles, and because what was Christ? What was God trying to do? Trying to
0: show that was actually working at that time. Right. This guy's
1: healing resulted in what? great glory to god it was it was a it was the launching point for Peter to give a message about Christ that's that's what it was i mean it, it when Peter stood up and said you killed your messiah how, how do i know that well here's a guy that's been lame 40 years walking around jumping up and down now how did he get healed and it made people stop and think about what Peter was saying and it Lented validity to what he was saying.
0: What about that scripture that says, "These eyes shall follow them that believe in my name"?
1: That's Mark. Yeah. That's the Mark passage.
0: Yeah. So well, who is Christ
1: talking to there?
0: Okay.
1: Immediately, the apostles. Right. Did they have this gift?
0: Yes. Them could be even say to you, apostles.
1: But the here, but here, yeah, but who's he talking to? Goes back It goes back. You're right. It goes back. It goes back to context. Then why? Then 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 the onus goes back on. <laughs> that's fine. But then the, the the burden goes back on those who say they have the apostolic gift. Why aren't they doing this stuff? Why don't you see this stuff happening?
0: I'm not saying that ain't happening just because I'm not seeing it in this immediate United States of America. That doesn't mean that God is not doing that stuff there.
1: First of all we we would admit that God can do anything he wants, right? All right. So we're not we're not going to we're not going to limit God in any, any way. But when you look at the apostolic gift of healing as evidenced by these evidences here, this is not seen today. You do not have people if 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 I had if right now if I had the gift of healing like this, I could walk into any hospital and heal any disease. I could heal everybody.
0: Pardon? He didn't heal everybody. He, he didn't heal. Everybody. No, he didn't. Christ no, didn't, heal he didn't, didn't heal everybody.
1: They didn't heal everybody. Oh, but yeah, but everybody they had the ability.
0: Was plan right. To involve in his healing.
1: Yes. There's always a reason for the healing. That's right. And the reason for the healing always had to go back to the sign. It was a sign. Mm-hmm. It was a sign. All right. Um, let me come back to that. Don't let me walk away. I'm just going to come back to the sign, con- the oh. con- sign concept. All right. Um, the big thing, though, is faith was not a requirement. In many cases, the, the person who was healed. It, 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 Peter didn't say, well, you know, if you had faith, you could be healed. Sorry, bud. Um, you're going to have to lay there the rest of your life. Um, it, if anything, it depended on the faith of the healer, not the healee. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the problems that I have today is a lot of times in the in the healing movement that you see today, if someone's not healed, the problem is they don't have faith. Whereas if the scripture if the scripture is right, it appears that it doesn't depend on their faith necessarily.
0: Right, because told faith and
1: people. Necessarily, that's this necessarily component. Yeah.
0: I think there's a lot of things that determine where you're living too.
1: There are. I mean, in
0: in certain areas of the world, there's probably more miracles. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't. Th- I, I. I don't think raising from the dead. I'm. I'm just saying that. That the the case needs to be made that this apostolic gift is operative today. Can God heal? Sure he can. Can God do miracle things? Sure he can. But as a matter of fact, as a normal course, when you look at the apostolic gift of healing, that is not in operation today.
0: Well, it's, it's not a turn you know, My understanding mm-hmm. of healing is that the spirit wills and it's not like someone has a switch that they can turn on healing. Yeah. Hey, you're going to come to my house, and so I'm going to heal for the tonight you can't, no. can't turn on the work of the Holy Spirit.
1: But Christ could. Christ could heal anybody he wanted to at any well, point in time.
0: Cases, you, know, you, know? you know. Different nations and different I don't know why. I've always wondered how come I've heard testimonies overseas or, you know, Dr. Cho or all these things or something like that. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> chill it. just went down my <laughs> spine
0: the
1: point, here's the uh, point Dr. Cho, we'll t- I'll, ta- I'll take that offline All right. Dr. Cho is a Buddhist who happens to talk about Jesus, but he's really a Buddhist um, But I, w- that's later, that's later. Yongi Cho, you talking about Paul Yangi Cho? yeah, yeah, the, 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 here's, the, here's the deal here's the deal the difficulty is you can say, well, God is healing like this all over the world. How do you prove that? What is the evidence? And when, when anybody has ever tried to find the evidence, they can't find it. Um, somebody says, like Rex Humbard said, you know, he saw people raised from the dead in his meetings. And you go, well, give me a name, give me a date, give me a place, give me a person. There there are none. There, there's no proof of this. That's not to say God can't do what God does, but as a matter of operation, God is not doing this. And here's the other thing to understand. This is the most important. You're going to get anything out of this healing business. Get this. Why did God heal?
0: It's more than that. It was sign of, you know, building faith the people
1: No, it was not to build up faith.
0: Validate. It was a sign.
1: It was a sign to validate what? The gospel. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was a validation. True. That's what it was. What was he trying to validate?
0: I'm just getting to say that when he raised Lazarus from death, he said that that you may know not that. The other, but my why why
1: did Christ raise Lazarus mm-hmm. what did that do
0: well, I mean, it, validated. it validated
1: his message mm-hmm. yeah that's the thing well, let's let's think about let's, let's think about human history go back think of biblical history when at what points in biblical history, were miracles common There there's three major periods of history where miracles were common Moses Moses, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I got I got it right in front of this thing. You've got Moses, pretty common, right? You got the Red Sea, you got the plagues, you know. Now, that, does that mean that there were no miracles before Moses? No. No, because you got Abraham with the ram in the thicket, you know, you've got but, but as far as history goes, you've, before Moses here, you've got 2,500 years of human history where you've only got, you know, half a dozen miracles going on. And now all of a sudden, the time of Moses, what do you have? All kinds of miracles. The parting of the Red Sea. You've got Mount Sinai. you got them through the desert. You know, their feet aren't, their shoes aren't wearing out. Their clothes aren't wearing out. You know, again, 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 you've got all these miracles and then and then miracles sort of go away right they just go away when do they reappear Elisha, Elijah. yeah I mean those guys you know a miracle a day right so you've got Moses and then you've got the prophets okay where you've got a lot of miracles going on and then miracles sort of disappear right as, as common I mean you may have one here and one there but you know they're a couple hundred years apart where you have a validatable miracle Until when? Until Christ. Until the New Testament. All right. And then miracles in the history of the church disappeared as normative. They weren't there. You get to the time of John. You get to the 80s, 90s AD. You don't see miracles. You don't. Now, what is common about all three of those times?
0: Relationship with
1: people. What's happening? Sandy's awfully close. He's
0: revealing truth.
1: He's revealing truth. What came with what came in Moses? What was this? This was the law, right? All right. Now, if you're the average Jew, how do you know Moses is giving you a straight line? Because of the miracles. Because of the miracles, right? What was God doing? He was validating the message that he was given Moses by the miracles that was, that were being performed. What was happening in the time of the prophets? What's, what's, what's being revealed scripture, right? You've got the minor prophets, the major prophets. And what is, you know, how do I know, Isaiah, how do I know that message is from God? Well, you go out to your sundial tomorrow, you'll see it go back 15 degrees. Tell me something, right? It was all to validate the message of God. And it Jesus, what was going on? Jesus comes on the scene and he says, you know, everything you've been taught about Judaism is false. Oh, yeah, right. Tell me another one. We've got, a, we have a guy like that come around every day. He said, "Well, okay, let me show, let me prove it to you." And he raises somebody from the dead. He puts an arm back on this guy. This person is healed. What would you tend to believe? Well, what, what did Nicodemus say? We know your teacher come from God, for no one can do the miracles you do except God be with them. We know you we know you're the real deal, because no one can do that. And what is God doing in each of these periods? He's revealing truth. And when you see healings happening in the ministry of the apostles, every single time it was to validate the message that they were giving. Why would these 5,000, by the way, 5,000 men heard and believe what Peter said here? Why did they hear and believe it? So lame. Because they saw a guy who had been lame for 40 years, jumping and leaping and praising God. And Peter used that healing as an entree into the gospel presentation. And what you see happening in most healing services today is the end is not the gospel presentation. It's not all about sin. It's not all about salvation. It's about you feeling better and getting better. That's the end product. That's
0: true. What's your take on Catherine Coleman? It's A nut job. job. Um, what about this scripture here in John, I kind you know the vice right president. That's good. 11 and 15, that says, well, I'm going to read 14, then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and then 15 says, and I am glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. And that's right. why it says that he was trying to build their faith. Because he said that you may believe nothing. Believe what? Because believe in the gospel. Well, that believe That he
1: Christ. Yeah, how, how do I know he's Jesus? you still,
0: gen- still got to have faith. you still got to believe. I mean, those miracles and signs and wonders, they did build up their faith.
1: It, 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 it the, A side benefit is that they did build up the faith of the believer, but the original intent of the miracles and signs was not for the believer, it was for the unbeliever. Mm-hmm.
0: But you was unbelievers <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean... I'm are,
1: t- are you saying... Are, yeah, are you saying that... One of the things is everybody who saw Lazarus raised from the dead weren't believers. Because they
0: tried to
1: kill him. Now, what did it do for Mary and Martha? It strengthened their faith. What did it do for the crowds? They leave. said, whoa, wait a minute. There's something going on. What did the Pharisees want to do? Kill him. Kill, kill him. Yeah. The point is, here's the point. All I'm saying is when you go to the scripture and, and you, in context, you read the, the healing passages and what's going on there. In every occasion, every time, the healing is not an end in and of itself. The healing is to point people to The truth, whether it is the gospel, whether it is Christ's message. When Christ healed the crowds, why did he heal the crowds? He healed them so that they would believe that he was a true messenger from God. Now, what did the Pharisees conclude? He was done by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And Christ said, you can't, he said, that that sin cannot be forgiven, not only in this age, but in the age to come. When you ascribe the work of God to the devil, you've just committed a sin that you can't recover from. And I'm just saying, just just look at the character, look at the nature of what's going on. And when I see, you know, when I see healing services today, where the end is to make people feel better, and I, I, I remember Literally in, in school, I, there was a gal I was witnessing to in high school that went to Ernest Angley to get healed. She had a hearing problem. And she went to Ernie to get healed. And um, I was trying to present the gospel to her, and it wasn't, she didn't care, it was the healing. And another person who was supposedly healed by Ernest Angley, I can't remember if it was her or somebody else, you asked them what the gospel, they had no idea what the gospel was. Well, you ask him, are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I am. How do you know? Well, I got healed. That doesn't make you a Christian. How many, well, how many people did Christ heal that are in hell? Quite a few. Mm-hmm. Oh, Quite a few of them. You're telling me that everybody he healed believed on him? Um, where's a good example of that? Ten lepers. 10 lepers, right? 10 lepers got healed. One was saved. Think about it. 10 were healed. One, because when, when he came back, what did Christ tell him? Your faith has made you. And what is he talking about? His physical healing? No. no
0: spiritual.
1: spiritual healing. Mm-hmm. One came back. Folks, look. Miracles, whether whether it is the miraculous gift of healing, whether it is the sign gift of tongues, or whether it's the gift of miracles, the miracles is, is another gift is powers, and that is power over demonic forces. Where you you know, Christ cast out demons, right? He did miracles. So that's what that dunamis, the word there miracles is dunamis, power, and it refers to Christ's ability to cast out demons. All of those were done for one purpose and that is to validate the message that Christ was saying. To validate the message. Do you think
0: that the nine lepers had any effect on the priest that they were supposed to don't know. Themselves to don't know. No.
1: No. And, and, and the, the, the difficulty is when you see a lot of the the, the supposed modern day sign gifts being exercised. The sign gift in and of itself is is the thing that is sought. It's not, I mean if 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 the if signs were truly being done today, I would expect there to be new revelation. God is validating new revelation. And here's the other key and, and I hope I don't offend anybody but well, I can do that because I'm the teacher, and you just have to live with it. Um, yeah, but who's who's getting who's, who's supposedly getting all of these miraculous gifts today? The godly people?
0: The hooks, the false prophets,
1: the what kind of people are getting them? The most ungodly Christians, if they are Christians at all, that you that that, that are there
0: people that
1: are not the um, by the way I, I do think Jim Baker turned around I think he is a believer but when you look at Jim Baker and Tammy Faye mm-hmm. you know and and uh, the, the, the the TV shows they had and, and all the supposed miracles and things going on there how are they living? Laugh, rich, ungodly, lives. ungodly lifestyles. In fact, the Bible says, Paul says, I'm not of those who copalize the gospel. I'm not a huckster. I'm not selling the gospel for personal gain. One of the things that you have in First and Second Corinthians is Paul's got to come out swinging because people are saying, well, the only reason Paul's in the ministry is what he gets out of it. He's taking advantage of you. He's stealing your money. He's trying to get sexual favors. And Paul says, I'm not like those guys are in this for the money. You wouldn't think no. Mm-hmm. No. He's not in it for the money. And you see these people... You, you see the, look at Jimmy Swagger. Here's a guy who supposedly had all the gifts. What was he doing on the side while yes. preaching through adultery. a series on adultery?
0: adultery. Yes.
1: Yeah, he was indulging. Yes. <laughs> all right. I mean this is this is it doesn't take a five beta kappa to figure this stuff out. Look at Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn is one of the most covetous people on the planet. Christ did not save me in order to make me a millionaire. I'll tell you, I'm sorry. He hasn't done that. Being a Christian is is not your ticket to wealth and financial freedom. Sometimes it may cost you everything, right? And if you love Christ, it doesn't matter whether it costs you everything. Because you're not in it for the money. You're not in it for what you get out of it. that's, That's the problem. Peter, Peter did not tell the other people, now be saved and you're all getting healed, right? He didn't say that. He said, you need to be saved because why? You crucified your Messiah. You hung him on a tree. And God's going to judge you someday. This guy's healing was just an entree for him to present that message. That's all. I mean, I'm being a little hard here, but look, you know, you've got to go and you've got to analyze it. You've got to think through this stuff yourself. And when I look at the people, supposedly the people who have the gift of healings and the gift of tongues and the gifts of all, they are some of the most ungodly people you're going to run into. They are the most arrogant, proud people you're going to run into. They're arrogant. Look at them. Watch them preach. It makes me sick to see him. I'm sorry. I can't stand Frederick Casey Price. I can't stand the guy. Oh, the way he walks around the stage and talks and, 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 and putts around, you know, like he's he's God's gift to Christianity, that is not the way Paul would respond. You think Paul would be back like that? Paul said, you know, when I came into you, I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He wasn't prating around, parading his godliness and and looking down his nose with you know f- rings on every finger. I don't
0: know why they say he treats them like they're dummies. They mm-hmm. them call them it, Yeah, you got
1: you got him. You got he's just one of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. yeah. You, you got you got Tilton, Bob Tilton, who wants you to send money in. You know he was taking in half a million dollars a day.
0: Yeah. They caught him. Twenty twenty caught up
1: with him on an airplane. Tilton, Bob Tilton, down in Texas. Oh,
0: oh.
1: Tilton. Tilton, T-I-L-T-O-N. Takes him. At at one point in his heyday, he was taking in half a million dollars a day. Half a million dollars.
0: Wow.
1: And what did he get? And and you know what it was? You know what the message was? Give me a hundred bucks, and God will give you a thousand. Now, now, is that the gospel? Is that what the gospel is all about? No. Why are you saved? Why did God save you? It wasn't for your benefit. I hope you know that. It wasn't for what you get out of it. I mean, I, I, I'll take heaven and I'll take all that. But God did not save me for what I get out of it. He saved me because he wanted to put me on display for eternity as an object of his grace. So when the angels look at me and say, well, if he could save Schaefer, he's a pretty, pretty wonderful God. That's why he saved me. He didn't save me because I could I'd be wealthy. And why is it? You know, if you tell somebody come to Jesus and he'll make you a millionaire, and Jesus doesn't, what kind of gospel is that? Did Christ? Here's here. Look this way. When when people came to Christ and said, what must I do to be saved? What do you tell them? Give up everything. What do you tell that rich young ruler? Yeah. Go sell it all.
0: Give it to the poor.
1: Give your money. Now did did. Did that rich and ruler necessarily have to do that? No.
0: no. Uh-uh.
1: But what did it establish really quickly? Where his priority was. Yeah. What was he wanting? He wanted the wealth. Mm-hmm.
0: That's what I said in the that 2nd chapter one? Yeah. And remember some... That yeah. chapter. They sold everything.
1: Yeah, later on they saw him. Yeah. And remember somebody came up and said, I'll follow you and Jesus. I'll follow you wherever you go. But let me go bury my father first. And so let the dead bear the dead. I'll follow you, but let me go uh, say bye to the parents. Well, if you put your hand in the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. You know, that's pretty, you know, Christ was basically saying, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you everything. Now, are these guys telling you that? No. No, they're telling you if you follow Christ, you'll be a millionaire and drive a Rolls Royce like they do.
0: On the TV, not last night, the night before, it was church checked out process or something, and they said from the looks of it, uh the parking lot, there were Rolls Royces, and you name it, Escalade, everything, all the high-priced cars. That was on TV. If no.
1: Jesus Christ showed up today, and he bought a car, what would he buy?
0: A Hummer. A Hummer. A Hummer, yeah, right. <laughs> a Ugo.
1: You think he'd be driving around in a Rolls Royce?
0: He'd a yougo A Ugo. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah, a Hugo it lasts long. out uh, uh 6 months
1: you think you, th- you think he demand a rolls royce i don't think
0: no he a driver you go really he came humble before
1: he really he came humble, humble. he drive a ford oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <Probably> a ford yes <laughs> <The> a ford you <laughs> think about me is drive a ford really humble yeah. and, uh, and and to get and to get <laughs> I, I hope i don't get into more trouble but but Paul youngi cho i got to mention him cuz his name came yeah. up Paul Yonggi Cho, he's the pastor of Yoido Island Baptist Church in Seoul, Korea. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the if if it's one, if not, it it is the largest. He was the uh, progenitor of the cell group concept. We have cell churches, you know. Um, Paul, I heard Paul Yonggi Cho preach at Seattle Christian Center, something like that. And uh, he wrote a book called *The Fourth Dimension*. You probably still get it. You ever read that book? Something called the Fourth Dimension. Yeah. His idea on the self church, that's a good that's a good idea. Alright. So even a blind squirrel finds a nut now and then. I mean that's a good I'm sorry. That's a good that's a good book. But the problem with Paul Yang, he is he wrote a book called The Fourth Dimension, in which he basically merges Christianity with Buddhism and Hindu mysticism and basically says that as believers we can visualize reality. And he even said that he even he even talked about it. if you want a car, a particular kind of car, you need to visualize that car sitting in your parking lot. And you need to have. And what happens is you visualize that your faith will reach into the fourth dimension and create reality such that that becomes real.
0: Huh? <laughs>
1: I'm saying I'm just saying what he said. I'm not making up what he's saying. I'm not making up what he's saying. That's what he is saying. And he, and he uses the example of Abraham. He said what Abraham did. How was it that Abraham was able to have, be the father of many nations? Well, he visualized it, and his visualization created a new body so that he could have, bear children. Now, does the Bible tell you that? No.
0: No. Read the fourth dimension. I'm not making it up. Yeah. Yeah. To these churches uh, are, Yeah. The, everybody there, it's like they're taking their Korean
1: religion. Uh,
0: religion and mixing it with Christianity.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the dangers. That's why I've mentioned his name. I'm yeah, not trying I'm still, to. because
0: I I studied a lot of churches that have cells. Yeah. Rochdale
1: well, the the cell church concept that he came up with is is a good concept. Columbia. Um. But but the problem is his theology. And that's why in this class, you're going to get theology. His theology is aberrant. He's not a Christian. He's a Buddhist who talks about Jesus. All right. Um, and it's it. And most people don't realize that. Well, you Island Baptist Church, he must be a good guy, you know. But when you look at his theology and you don't need me to tell you that you can go out to the Internet, you can get books on what he and, and li- I, I, I should listen to him preach where he was talking about visualization how you can create your own reality that as children of God we have the ability to create whatever reality we want and if our life is sort of pitchy it's because we don't have enough faith to create a good reality that's basically his his spin on it he
0: was on Diane Rehm show yeah this week
1: what are you watching all this junk for? (laughs) okay (laughs) <laughs> she works nowhere. She's NPR. got she got all this time on her hands, she watches all these nutty no, programs. The radio. I'm, I'm, a giving her, radio I'm giving her time. But but folks, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that is that when you look at the scripture, and that's what we have. We have the scripture. When you look at the scripture, you look at the nature of healing, this is what it's like. When you look at the purpose of healing, it is to validate the messenger. And the messenger is not telling people, be healthy, wealthy, and wise. The messenger is telling them about the gospel, the good news, sin, salvation, redemption, forgiveness of sin. It's to validate that message. And that's why this healing was, was here. Peter did not heal this guy and have an end in and of itself and then have a healing you know, crusade the next day where everybody was healed. That's, that's not what happened rather he used this to proclaim the gospel as you know as, as we read down through here and I got to get through one chapter down a beat on me when you read down through here the people were filled with amazement and wonder because here's a guy that they knew personally who had been sitting there for 40 years unable to walk and this guy's jumping up and down like nothing's wrong with him and that led Peter to be able to to preach verse 11 why do you marvel at this or why do you look intently at us as though by our own power of godliness we've made this man walk Peter says you know I just happen to be in this place it's not my power it's not my godliness it's not me who is it God and then he says the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob what's he relating that to the Old Testament these are Jews and what he does now is he goes on and he gives them the gospel. And what was the gospel? The gospel was the person and work of Christ. Mm-hmm. Do you understand that you, if, you don't, if you do not bring somebody to a face-to-face confrontation with the person and work of Christ, you've not given them the gospel. And one of the problems is, you know, one of the, one of the stresses I have when I see some of these guys on TV, the healing and the wealth and the, and the prosperity, they never talk about Christ. They never talk about humility. They never talk about the gospel. It's all about what God does for you. And it's never about how you have offended a just and holy God and that you're going to be in danger of hell fire unless you repent. She's doing I don't he's trying to she's trying to take a collection here. I'm talking about greed and she's trying to take a collection.
0: I'm giving you our time.
1: <laughs> it's our pizza collection for the tape, all right. So it's a but he's
0: saying offer <laughs> it.
1: But when you denied it says you denied the Holy One the just and asked for murder to be granted, you killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. So what's the, what's the, this is a good good thing to ask here. What is the gospel? What is that? It's the person and work of Christ. But what do you mean by that? What What are necessary facts that you must know and believe in order to be saved? Well, the resurrection is an important one, right? All right. Well, what does that mean? He's son of God. I'm going to erase this here. Hopefully you've written it down. By the way, Richard May, um, Dick Mayhew, Richard Mayhew wrote a really good book, Divine Healing Today. Divine Healing Today. You can pick it up. It's a paperback. It's pretty cheap. That is an excellent treatise on this whole concept of divine healing. Divine healing. It's called Divine Healing Today by Richard Mayhew. Um, I'll put his name down here, Richard Mayhew. In fact, probably Don can even get you a copy of it. He can probably order it. Um, it's called Divine Healing Today. Um, but what what is the necessary components of the gospel? Peter talks about them here, right? Let's talk about the person and work of Christ. What do you you need to know about Jesus? He's
0: the Son of God. What do you
1: mean by that? He's the Son of God. All right. Um, Do Mormons believe that? Absolutely. What do they mean by Son of God? They mean a physical Son. He was a spiritual offspring of Elohim and one of his many wives. That's what it means. That's what they believe. Son of God implies his deity. Yes. Right. In other words, Jesus Christ is not um, a God. <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you that. He is God. Mm-hmm. And the term son is not in reference to his origination. Rather, it is a title given to him so that we can understand his role in redemption. Right. In redemption, what did Christ do? He subjected himself to to the will of the Father to become our sacrifice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is no hint that he was subservient to the Father from eternity past. Right? When you look at the Trinity, is any one member of the Trinity less than the others? No. No, by definition, each are equally God. Right. They're equally self-existent. They're equally omnipotent. They're equally omniscient. Mm-hmm. All right. They're equally sovereign. There's no the father is not the one who calls the shots. But in the drama of redemption, the father took a role. The son took a role. The Holy Spirit took a role. And Jesus Christ, who is fully divine, undiminished deity, became the son of God. What else did he do? He became a servant and he and, and and how 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 far did he go in this servant? deal so Philippians oh, up. he died on the cross right mm-hmm. and this is an important thing he died as what as our substitute mm-hmm. he took my place on the cross he took my the wrath that I should have gotten he took for me
0: for what there's nothing up there about sin we're getting there mm-hmm.
1: All right. He died as our substitute. Now, if he died as my substitute, what does that imply? Don? Been
0: you been the oh, he,
1: got the sin. You got, this is where sin comes in, right? Why do I need a substitute? <laughs> That's the question. Why do I need somebody to die for me? Because I should, die for because I should have died. Why should I have died? Because I'm a sinner, sinner and I deserve death. And Christ really died. How do you know Christ really died? Yeah, that's right. But what proof? What proof did he die? He was he was buried. All all the idea of buried is is that he was really dead. He wasn't he wasn't swooned, he was dead dead. And then what did he do?
0: He rose
1: up. Rose again. What kind of resurrection? Physical. Bodily, there are people that say, "Yeah, Jesus comes. Jesus rose again from the dead. He rises again from the dead when you encounter him in some mystical way and have a, yeah, right, physical resurrection. He he rose again from the dead. And what else is he going to do? He's going to come again. How's he going to come again? Physically. Physically. There's a second coming." These are all elements of the gospel. You can have a Mormon come up to your door and you, you can ask him, do you believe Jesus the Son of God? Yep. Did he die for your sins? Yep. Was he buried? Yep. Did he rise again? Yep. Um, do you have to place faith in him in order to be saved? Yep. You say, wonderful, you're a Christian, you're on your way to heaven. Are they? You don't believe the deity of Christ. That doesn't make you a Christian. An aberrant Christology will not save you. You can't be saved. You can't. It's impossible. Um, the reason I say this because some people say, "Well, all you need to do is believe in." You know, you can. People have this concept that I can go up to somebody who knows, has no idea who Jesus is, and has no idea who God is. I can say, you know, Jesus died for your sins. And if you believe in him as your Savior, you'll be saved. And they pray the prayer they're in. Are they? Well, if they're elect, they're in. In Are they a Christian? Are they believers? The whole point is here, folks, the gospel message centers around the person and work of Christ. Why did he come? Who is he? Why did he come? Why did he die? Why do I need a substitute? How do I know that what he said is true? He rose again. And what is going to happen someday? He's going to come again. Peter wraps all of these things up into this message here that he's given these people. This is probably not everything that Peter said. He probably said a whole lot more. This is a, a condensed version of the message. But what you see here is that Jesus, uh, that Peter is bringing them face to face with the person and work of Christ. You killed your Messiah. And how do you have a relationship with Messiah? How do you have a relationship with God? How do you how do you appropriate? Okay, you got the facts down. How does it become yours? You believe. Mm-hmm. But what else do you do? You repent and believe. What does it mean to repent? You're right, God. I am a sinner. I deserve your judgment. I deserve separation. I deserve your wrath. It's not your fault. It's my fault. And all you do is ask him to save you. See, see, salvation is a relationship. We have offended uh, an awesomely holy God we have violated the relationship therefore if that relationship is to be restored on whose terms is it restored okay. it's on god's terms it's on the, the one who was offended mm-hmm. if i offend you and apologize my relationship is restored not on what i think it should right. be but on what you say it should be right right mm-hmm. and god has said how are you reconciled to me you must repent of your sins, you must admit your guilt and ask to be forgiven. And what will God do? He will forgive you. But if you don't respond, if you don't acknowledge your sin, if you don't acknowledge your guilt, if you don't acknowledge the offense, how can you be saved? And that's the problem I have with that gal who said, well, I'm saved. How do you know? Well, I got healed. Um, Are you a sinner? Well, no. Did you repent? Well, no. What's that? What does it mean to
0: be Godly sorry? Godly sorry. Because, you know, some people say they're sorry for their sins or whatever, but what does it mean to be Godly?
1: Well, what do you think it means?
0: You ask me? Well, I mean, I would say that.
1: Judas, was he sorry?
0: Yes. yes.
1: What kind of sorry was it? Superficial. I got caught. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. All right. I was this bad.
1: But it was not a sorrow that led to repentance. It was not a true acknowledgement of guilt. The criminal who's caught in a crime may be sorry he's gotten caught, but for him to be truly repentant, he needs to acknowledge that what he did was wrong, was his fault, it was his choice. And if he doesn't do that, he's not really repented.
0: So I'm going say, I'll never do that again.
1: Yeah, or I don't. I, I I want. I don't want to do that again. And that, by the way, is is what when you talk about confession of sin, the Greek word is very precise. Homo Homologeo to say the same thing as when you are when you ask God to forgive you, you're saying the same thing about your sin that He's saying about your sin. All right. Which means that when you ask God to forgive you for committing a particular sin, you don't put the caveat. On, well, you know, I had a bad hair day, and you know, you. You know, just one of those things. What are you doing? Making an excuse. Mm-hmm. Or, well, you know, if you didn't want me to lust after that woman, why did you have her walk in front of me? Whose fault is it then? God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or that's that's Adam's problem, right? Why did you give me this woman? Yeah. It's her fault that I ate. God doesn't want. You, God doesn't need you giving him excuses as to why you sin, right? No.
0: No.
1: Just fess up. Just fess up. I did it. I'm guilty. It's my fault.
0: So so where are the Jehovah's Witnesses go astray is they don't believe in the
1: deity? They Do not believe in the deity of Christ?
0: And where the Mormon They do, do not believe the in the deity of Christ. Many, many.
1: Yeah. They do not believe in the deity of Christ.
0: Well, do you believe that he's a deity, but just one of
1: many? He he's he's a god like we're a god. We're gonna be gods because we're like a child of God. Which is, by the way, another aberration of not all but many of the people you see on TBN. Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, a lot of these talk about us as being little gods. We have the ability to create our own reality. We, we have the nature of God within us. We can, we can order angels around. Folks.
0: I thought God...
1: Put Gloria his, Copeland his Gloria Copeland on TV said, you can order your angels. If you want a house, order your angels to go get you a house.
0: But I read that God had put his angel, given his angels a special charge over me. God, God told them, God them to,
1: take care, you. You them to take care of you. You don't tell them to take care of you. All right. right. You don't order angels around. When you come before a throne of God, you got to realize here, here's the point. Every true believer who comes into the presence of God realizes one thing. You really don't belong there. You really don't belong there. The only reason you can stand in the presence of God and not get blasted into a little itty-bitty grease spot is because of Christ. And Christ alone. And if you have this idea that you stand in God's presence and somehow you're doing Him a favor by being a believer or you're doing God a favor by being a Christian or that your ministry is somehow an integral component of Him and His divine plan, you're sorely mistaken. God doesn't need any one of us. God doesn't need any one of us. And 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 my, you know, if... if, if You know, some of these ministers, you hear them on TV, you know, the devil's going to shut this ministry down, the cause of Christ is going to be set back 20 years. No, it's not. God could could shut down every so-called television and radio ministry, and the Church of Jesus Christ will go on being built just like the plan.
0: Thank you for listening. This podcast was made in part with creative consulting and production assistance by Third Mass Studio. For your production needs, send an email to thirdmassstudio@gmail.com. at gmail.com. For other lectures in this series and more biblical media resources, visit theopenword.org.